everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to the latest edition of the See Me podcast. Uh, I am here, I'm Nick, and I'm with Dee. Hello, sorry, I was in the middle of drinking a bit of tea. <laughs> Spring that on you there. <laughs> Try and do that every time now, make that a new feature. Um, and Davey as well, who we are very excited to have along with us. Uh, he is a brand new member of our team, joining our social movement team and working with volunteers. Uh, hello, Davey. Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, you may also recognise Davey's voice as the presenter of the amazing Men Talk Health podcast. Um, so obviously on his second day at work we've dragged him in and said you are now in our podcast it's okay, it's okay. as long as we can promote everything it's all good <laughs> brilliantly um, so I guess first of all Davey just to tell people a little bit about yourself uh, okay well um, obviously not from Scotland originally but I know um, living and working up here for a while um, and doing my mental health stuff um, I have my own history of mental health I kind of deal with uh, depression, anxiety, and at the moment, you know, working through a diagnosis of uh, borderline personality, which is exciting. Uh, but, but yeah, it's all been really good, and I've been able to kind of use my experiences to work in mental health and set up the Mental Health Podcast, and now join See Me, which has kind of been a dream for a couple of years now. So yeah, it's really good to be here. Amazing, no, and it's yeah, so exciting to have you here as well. And yeah, this episode we are tackling a really important issue in the sort of experience of severe and enduring mental health conditions. So conditions like schizophrenia, dissociative identity disorder, borderline personality disorder. Some of these are still the most stigmatised that are out there and the people who experience them face some of the worst discrimination as well. And this can come in a lot of forms from not being given the opportunity to work, to being shunned by friends and families, not given the right support in healthcare, um, not being given equal opportunities in communities as well. Um, in the public, I, don't know, I guess you guys might see this a lot as well, there is a lot of a lot more talk around mental health as a subject matter, around mental health conditions or like depression, anxiety, which is amazing because it's done a lot to, I think, make people feel that, that it's okay to talk about those things. But I don't know what you think. These conditions still seem really misunderstood. I would say so, yeah. We did our kind of last mail out on um, misrepresentations of, of mental illness in, in the media, and there was definitely a large proportion of people kind of saying to us, oh, you know, that this has been a really, really bad portrayal of what it's actually like to experience it and how it impacts my life. Um, you know, we know that terms like psycho or crazy are still thrown around quite liberally and they don't you know they don't nearly touch on what it's actually like to to struggle with a mental illness so i think that has a big part to, to I mean, play and i mean some of these are are even just things that people don't even recognize people hear the word schizophrenia and they they know the term they misunderstand it but it's a term that people know but then when you start talking about borderline personality and then people unless you know someone who's who has been open about it some of the people know nothing about um so you can't even you can't even start a conversation because you're starting from a, introducing a whole new concept to people. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things that I, I think now maybe kind of like BPD and dissociative disorder are becoming more more talked about, but there is a strange hierarchy of mental health yeah. when we talk about these things. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it'd be great to kind of get people more aware of these other kind of conditions and help support people with those. Yeah, definitely, and how how they affect people the what the 
I guess, what it's like to experience that. And also the, the stigma and discrimination around this. Like, there's some really sobering statistics about this. That men with mental illnesses, severe mental illness, die 20 years younger than the average in Scotland. And that's and it's 15 years for women as well. And see, David, with, the other, with your other podcast, now, have you had many people come on to speak about these experiences or have you found that a more difficult thing that people to get people to talk about this? I mean, I think we've been quite lucky in getting people to open up, but in each podcast, in each conversation we have, um, actually a really good one is the one I did for the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival with one of the artists who was involved with kind of a senior art gallery exhibition we had. We started talking about male suicide and we were all really tentative. We hadn't meant to kind of step onto that topic. Mm -hmm. um, but then... Within like five, ten minutes, it was a lot more comfortable. We were kind of all nervously laughter, and then actually we ended up having a really honest conversation. And it was like, I think we were all just, even, even me who does this all the time, we were all really surprised that we could actually have this conversation because it still felt like it's something we shouldn't be doing when we started it. I think I'm lucky that with, with mental health, the whole, the whole ethos of it is to kind of create an environment where you do build up that comfortable comfortability I suppose to to have these conversations but it's funny as soon as you kind of take a guest outside of that setting or if there's other people there it all kind of closes in again and it's um it's like a really nice kind of safe bubble but but it's not a conversation that you necessarily want to have with other people around and that's the problem because that that's where the stigma kind of lies um it's easy to kind of talk about something openly and on, on a recording in a safe space but you need to have those conversations elsewhere and that's where the stigma is stopping people from doing. Yeah, it is. Obviously, we know that happens a lot, particularly in, in workplaces, healthcare, in educational environments where we focus. It's really difficult for people to to speak about what they're experiencing and what their conditions are, and especially with conditions like this, which do people, as you say, they either they don't know or they misunderstand mm. what they are far more commonly as well. And we share lots of people's stories in in the media and online on social media and see the huge impact that that those stories have because people hopefully do feel a bit less alone in that I and mean, obviously you share a lot of a lot yeah. of this stuff and work so many people to help form their stories how sort of react do you find any difference in the reaction when we share these types of stories compared to yeah it's a little bit of a mixed bag because i feel obviously the kind of the, as david was saying the kind of general narrative around talking about mental health at the moment is you know it does focus a lot on depression anxiety and things that people feel a little bit more comfortable talking about and sometimes you find when you put something out that is looking at something more kind of severe and enduring like schizophrenia like borderline um people are a little bit more tentative to talk about it in the comments i mean the great thing is is that when they do it's always really supportive and people sharing their own stories with one another and you can kind of see that online community growing of people supporting each other which is which is great um, but i think there still is a little bit of misunderstanding and fear around what those experiences are like and people maybe not feeling comfortable talking about it just yet um, so it is a bit of a mixed bag. What we do see is really supportive and great, but it doesn't tend... To, there's not as many people engaging with that content yeah. as if it was a more kind of general discussion. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, like David was saying, that's, you know, that's part of the problem. I think there's still... People are still scared to kind of engage in that dialogue a little bit. There's, there's something that I've noticed that's kind of a bit more positive, perhaps, is that a lot of people who don't know about these things want to so actually if you say so if I say something like I have BPD to someone they might be quiet and it's not because I'm necessarily making 
a false, a completely false opinion is that actually they just they don't know what it yeah. is, and people are very embarrassed and scared to ask questions. But that comes down to why talking is so important, not just for people with mental uh, mental illnesses and mental health conditions, but also for being able to allow people to feel confident enough to kind of say, actually, like I, I love when people ask me to. Oh, BPD, so what, you're bipolar? Because a lot of people assume mm -hmm. if you say BPD, they think it's bipolar. Yeah. It's like, no, it's, it's completely different. And I, I, love, I love when people question, because at least they're engaging. But for a lot of people, it's still a very sensitive subject, and they would feel offended if somebody asked them. So how do you even, how do you even fix something when there are people who want to know more, there are people who don't want to highlight it more than they have to, and it's, um, it just becomes trickier and trickier, really. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting point. And the people who experience conditions like this are as individual and different as the as the conditions can be for everyone as well and I think someone is quite similar to you in that sense that we worked with uh, Chris McCulloch Young who we did walk a mile with um, and he had uh, he had experience of uh, borderline personality disorder as well and he used to speak obviously very openly about it that was his thing when his walk around Scotland where he spoke so much about it but he kind of said something similar to you it just reminded me of it where he was used to say like people would ask him like oh like are you crazy or you don't look like one or something like that and then he would never shut that down because you can't really say that he'd always then he'd use that as the kind of a way to engage people in conversation and then try and challenge their some of, some of their stigmatizing views whether they had them as intentionally stigmatizing or that was just like a, a kind of misunderstanding that they had but again that's but for someone else if it was said to them then that could be really hurtful and make it so much more difficult to then speak about it in another thing and yet it's so different to everyone um one of our volunteers uh, liam he's spoken a lot about and we shared his story we shared it around time to talk day last year his experiences with schizophrenia obviously david you're currently working with liam in setting up a, his choir as mm, well yeah how's that going uh it's, it's brilliant um liam is just uh, a force of nature with his passion for trying to create something where everybody regardless of their mental health status can be can be welcomed um like he because of his his mental health issues he's had a lot of social isolation and he's really passionate about changing that and he wants he, he's somebody who loves somebody to ask him questions yeah. like you can ask liam anything um and that's what's really great and i think that's why <clears throat> working with him on this choir has been an amazing project because it's like He's going to give so many other people that ability to kind of be in a safe space where they can maybe have those conversations. So both for the people who, who want to ask, but also for those people who are scared to be asked about it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that will kind of break down a few kind of barriers as well. And um, having someone like Liam running that is just my mind a little bit yeah it is it's kind amazing. of amazing in that force well i was with him last year at a, a storytelling conference and we were speaking all about how we share people's stories and he was speaking about sharing his story and what it was like to speak in the media about his experiences and i've seen and helped him with sharing his things in the media and we've seen it when you put it up on social media online and the reaction that has to his story but then seeing it when he was chatting to people almost face to face he was speaking to an audience and seeing how much they were just captivated by him and I was very very aware that what I was saying was just kind of the boring procedural stuff and just getting <laughs> out of the way as quick as I could so Liam could talk about his story and what it was like to share that and people were just they were transfixed they were amazed by him he made such such an amazing connection with telling his story um I chatted to to Liam and a, a footballer called David Cox uh, a while back about 
their experiences of trying to speak out about their stories. Uh, David, you might have seen before, he's spoken a lot in the media about his experience of depression, self-harm, attempting suicide. He's been very open about and a great advocate for sharing the story and sharing the real discrimination he's faced, particularly on the football pitch and from fans as well. Um, so we've got this interview coming up now uh, with myself, Liam and David. First up, we have David speaking about his experiences. Yeah, I've probably dealt with um, my low moods and stuff like that, depression, if I was about 16, 15, 16. Um, and I kind of just started off self-harming and stuff like that. And I was getting angry about a lot of things and didn't know how to deal with it. Um, so that was kind of one way that I kind of got it out. And then as I got older, it just kind of progressively got worse. But I have dealt with it for over 10 years, so it's just kind of come to a stage now where I'm at, over the past couple of years, I'm learning to, to deal with it, do you know what I mean? It's not going to go away, but I'm learning to, I'm realising, I'm recognising the triggers and, and, and before it gets to that stage, I'm, I'm realising what it is I need to do to, to stop that. Yeah, and about yourself, Liam, like what have your experiences been kind of, I don't know, throughout your life, but kind of all help your diagnosis and the impact that's had on you? Impact uh, tremendously on me. It's, to me, it's a, it's a horrible word because it's, as I say, it's publicised to be something that's really evil and horrible, um, which is a total misconception. Um, schizophrenia is a mental health condition that people suffer, call it psychosis, it's a nicer word. Um, it's unfortunate. It's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to live with. Um, you've got to try, every day is a struggle, doing daily tasks is a struggle. Because you're that focused sometimes on what's going on in your head that you can't focus on anything else. And trying to get people to understand that, because they think you look alright, then you can't be experiencing the experiences you're having. Um, so people just think that, no, you're talking nonsense. They don't actually understand it. There's not enough understanding mm-hmm. for people to realise how bad and how difficult it can be to live with. Is it hard to talk about it? Very, it was. It used to be very hard to talk about it. I grew up in a generation where um, it was they spoke about. Um, so it was one of the words, as soon as that word schizophrenia get mentioned, that people just didn't want to know. So you lost quite a, you lose friends, relationships, jobs, everything. Um, so I kind of worked through it myself and over the years, self-harming, not telling anybody. And then later on in life, when I did want help, I was self-harming in a bad way and getting taken to E&E or whatever. And I was getting patched up and sent back home. Nobody had asked me why I was doing it. They just patched me up and sent me home. Got to the stage, they knew my name, my first name, but they still didn't ask me. And all I wanted them to just ask me, why are you doing this? So I could tell somebody because I didn't feel I could tell them. I was too scared of the, the consequences of letting them know this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And what about obviously yourself, David? You've been more in the public eye as well, and you've done it on a few occasions. How has it been when you've told people about what you've experienced, what you've been through? To be fair, um, I've had a pretty good response uh, in terms of things that I've done in papers and I've uh, done for the radio or, or TV. Um, I get negative comments, part and parcel of connecting you do, you know what I mean? There's always going to be people out there that are yeah, look at it differently. Um, I've, had, I've had fans say horrible things to me in regards to my mental health. I've had players say horrible things to me uh, in the park. Um, used to get me down. Now it just kind of, I don't know, I probably let it kind of go over my head a wee bit. Mm-hmm. It's not annoys me, but... Yeah. Um, you Generally. just kind of learn it because I just kind of think of it now is 
if you knew, you wouldn't be saying what you're saying, do you know what I mean? So they, don't, they clearly don't understand. Um, so I can kinda I can kinda leave it at that, do you know what I mean? But generally would you say it's been a, a positive thing it, speaking it, out? It's about helped it. me massive. Um I struggled to kinda speak about it when I was younger. Uh, and and just like um they were saying there about being in the hospital and stuff like that. Like they actually it's right they get to know who you are and and, and kinda tell like you want people to ask you what it is because it's easier for them to start it than for you to come out and um, kind of let it all out because, do you know what I mean? That, that's been the hardest thing for me. Um, once somebody speaks to you about it, you can start kind of trusting a wee bit and, and it just goes from there. You've got some people that won't want to know. Do you know what I mean? You've got people tiptoeing about you, keep their distance for you because it's, they're not used to it. They don't, not for it in football, do you know what I mean? People, it's as though people are walking in eggshells because they don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of people out there, they're happy to kind of speak to you about it. And over the past few years since I've done my story, it's been it's just so surprising the amount of people that, that I've dealt with at all different kind of levels. Um, and it is now kind of becoming a thing we do talk about more. Uh, and hopefully you can just keep going kind of going that, do you know what I mean, and, and get rid of that stigma away from uh, the whole lot of it, because as we were talking about earlier, do you know what I mean, it's not, it's not something you can physically see. Mm-hmm. If somebody was somebody broke their leg or whatever else, do you know what I mean, you can see that and people give you sympathy, sympathy but just because they can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Um, but hopefully we're doing things like this and the more people that do come out and talk and things like that, then it's only, it can only get better, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and Liam, has yours been similar where you found it easier to talk about it if people will start a conversation with you, like, yeah. rather than you having to put yeah, yourself out there in that far way? easier. It's, it's, I mean, how do you... It's when you say that word to people, schizophrenia, the reaction you get from people, they can either go, oh, or they'll say, hmm, they don't know what it is, so they don't... Their perception, as I say, is totally media-based, based on years ago, being mad people and, you know, like, I've had it in workplaces when I was younger. Um, I was in a canteen and somebody asked me, so who, who are you today? You know what I mean? Like, I was a split personality, which is total misconception. People are sitting and laughing at that and you're thinking, why are you laughing at that? It's, that's not even the case. I'm not a split personality. But they seem to think that all these things are all like, connected and related to the same sort of thing. So they think you're one person one minute and you're going to go mad the next minute you're being somebody totally different. That's total misconception. They just don't understand. And a lot of people don't want to understand. Um, I don't know why, I don't know if it's just, if it is that word, because as I say, it's a horrible word. To me, it's a horrible word anyway. Um, people, people just, like David said as well, like I said, if they can't see it, they don't think you're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So you, you need to experience it to actually realise how hard it is on a daily basis to live your life. Um, when I see myself as a, as a survivor now, that I've got to where I am at my age, and I'm still here because of my past, um, because of what I've done to myself. And obviously the help of the mental health team that I've got behind me now, they're fantastic. I mean, they've helped me dramatically to realise that this isn't my fault. Um, it wasn't something that I made up or I brought on myself. It was something that happened. I couldn't I couldn't help it. And I was let down years ago by the NHS. Now I'm getting, I've got the best team behind me. And they've helped me massively to realise now that I can talk about it without feeling persecuted, that it's all right to talk about it. 
you know what I mean? And it's it's nothing to embarrassed about. If people don't like it, then that's up to them. Mm-hmm. But don't judge somebody until you know exactly what it is you're judging. Definitely. And do you think if there was more, I suppose, if you like more people were just more comfortable talking about mental health in general and, and various diagnoses, whatever that may be, that some of those misconceptions would go. And like, if you, everyone's talking about it, it will change the kind of attitudes around it. People will sit and talk about cancer and other kind of illnesses, and they'll sit and have conversations about it. But as soon as you mention mental health, people just don't understand what it entails. They don't know. I think they could, they'll put you in one label, and that's that, you're a label. Mm. And you're not a label, you're a person. You're just the same as everybody else. You just experience things that other people don't experience. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there, needs, there needs to be... People need to learn more about it before, as you're saying. Like, everybody knows somebody that's had cancer in their family or, or some other kind of disease and things like that. But we've seen there, like, people don't know enough about mental health problems and you're saying they put it in one bracket mm-hmm. and you're just judging them the same kind of thing, do you know what I mean? Whereas what I do is totally different mm-hmm. what he deals with, do you know what I mean? Um, uh, and it's, it's, as I say, us talking about it is it only going to make it better, do you know what I mean? But I think that you're always going to have, it's the same as it now, you're always going to have those people that, that don't want to know because it's not affecting them, so why, sh- why, why should they need to know about it or, or learn anything about it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you ever had any conversations with anyone that's like a really positive conversation that's actually then led to you feeling a lot better and it's helped you? Uh, m- massive. When I, when I went to um, and played for Peter Head, yeah, like speaking to people, and obviously the manager, he took me there, he, he knew everything was going on. And regardless of that, he still took me there. He took me in his own home. I mean, I stayed with him and just like a, a better guy you couldn't have met. And he, he, he wanted to understand. He wanted to know what it was, what is it was going on in like my head and in other people's heads and things like that. And it, I think to this day he's still actively he does a bit um, through it. So having people that be difference having people that want to understand and that want to help you. Do you know what I mean? It makes that massive, massive difference. Um, and throughout, obviously, the past few years, I've, I've had loads of people. Obviously, I've got my wife and that now who's massive, um, massive help for me. She understands me, she gets me, she knows when I need a wee bit of kind of pushing and stuff like that and a wee bit of help. And then I've got people like club chaplains at football and stuff like that. So um, all those kind of things are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, I, having people there that understand and that you, you know you can talk to freely about it, um, it makes makes it makes all the difference. Yeah, what about yourself, Liam? Like, yeah, having, having family behind you, uh, a good support network. Like my mother, my brother, my son, really supportive. Because um, it's a massive thing, as I say, you come out and tell people. And even doing this, when I ran that by them, they say, look, do it. Do you, need, you need to raise awareness because it, there is too much stigma. People do suffer. And if this helps, there'll be people suffering or experiencing mental health problems that have probably haven't came forward. They need, to, they need to speak up and go to see their GP. Don't be scared to tell people. Don't be scared to say anything. Nothing bad. The sky's not going to fall in. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. That was my biggest fear. But once you realise that you can talk openly, and say exactly what it is you're feeling or whatever's happening to you without being judged, without getting locked up. It's alright to, to speak about things that you're told that you don't want to say, but when you, once you, you get it out there, it makes you feel so much better because you've, you've unburdened yourself mm-hmm. of quite a lot, and that's a big part of it, it's carrying it about with you and keeping it bottled in. Without, you know, when you can't say to somebody, like, 
you're sitting having a conversation with somebody, you can't say to them, look, I'm struggling, you, you want to tell somebody, look, I'm struggling here, but you can't, but now I can do that, I can phone my mother and say, look, I'm not having a good day, I'm struggling, she'll talk to me on the phone, I can tell my son, I can go up and see my brother, do you know what I mean, it's, it's having these people there that actually understand and aren't judging you, the way other, some people judge you, is a massive, massive help to you. And obviously the impact of that in your recovery is now, like, I don't know if you want to say a little bit about what you're doing with the with the interventions and stuff now. And obviously they're going to be different types of conversations you're having, but still yeah. really important ones. Well, I, I go start on Thursday, um, psychosocial training for interventions and psychosis up in the NHS in Edinburgh. Working with psychologists, psychiatrists, I'm one of the people with lived experience. It's going to be one of the trainers in the teams to go about the health boards in Scotland and that and teach people about psychosis. Um, doing my bit to try and get people better help, better support. Um, whatever it entails, just to make more awareness and to try and help a lot more, more, more people. When it's psychosis is one of the things. If you have a psychotic episode, if you have another one, the more you have, the worse it gets. So if it can be, if you can get get it under control at the first one, you can go and have a normal, a, a semi-normal life. You don't have a move from family and a job and have a great, a great time. Um, if you don't catch it early enough, it can just escalate and just get worse over a period of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got to be done. People have got to know that it's got to be, they've got to be helped quicker. Um, rather than waiting weeks and weeks and weeks, it's got to be dealt with straight away. Mm-hmm. It's not something that can wait. You know, I know the health service is stretched, but it's like it gets pushed to the side. It's not important. You know what I mean? They don't want to help, you, help people with mental health problems as quick as it helps somebody else. But it, should, it, should be, it should be the exact same circumstances it should be a, a, a time scale like six weeks or whatever to try and get people proper help rather than let them you see it in the papers too many times young people hanging themselves they're not getting the help if they're speaking out by the time they're getting help it's too late you know it's done then and it's a waste of life mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be happening yeah definitely and so david when do you have spoken out and you've kind of told your story and put it out there have you ever had anyone come back to you close to you or even just who's read your story who's actually said it's really made a difference to them as well? Yeah, um, when I done my, my story in the paper, the amount of messages I received, just even for random people, or on Facebook and stuff like that, it was, um, it was unbelievable. Uh, how it had touched them and, or how it had affected somebody in their family or, or it helped them, do you know what I mean? Um, there was even my cousin, uh, I'd been to see a doctor, um, she, for whatever reason she had been dealing with herself, um, and he kind of talked to him things like that and saying like, like more and more young people kind of need to start speaking about it because look at this story that this boy's just done and like without knowing it, I, I, I was her cousin kind of thing, do you know what I mean? So it, it got out and and that, that's, that wasn't even a year, that was kind of somewhere like, through in Edinburgh and stuff like that, so I've had massive um, feedback, positive feedback if we're doing the story and other things on top of that, but as I said, we were just talking and doing things like this, see if it helps one person every time you do it, then you, you've kind of done your job, do you know what I mean? And it's only going to get better, uh, we are just doing the things that we do. Really interesting uh, chatting to both of those guys. Obviously, Dave, you touched at the beginning um, about speaking a lot about your own experience and being quite open with that. Um, have you found that it's been, that it's got, did it change at all in being easier to talk about your experiences or in your diagnosis as well? Yeah, it's um, I'm always I always try and stipulate to people when they kind of come up and they say I've listened to the show and they really want to share their story and that's 
commendable and great. But I think it's really important to recognise that it's not always the best time for somebody to tell it. Um, for some people it isn't the best thing, it can be a very private thing and that I, I think I always just want to stress to people that just because you don't want to do what I do and tell the entire world doesn't make it, make it less valid, doesn't, I don't want people to ever feel pressured to kind of talk. Because there's definitely been moments when I've had to kind of be like, actually do you know I can't, I can't do this today. I mean, obviously, you tell a story and you might have to go back to, if you're talking about something like suicide or anything like that, that, that's a big toll, that's a big turn. You're like, you're suddenly just kind of having a normal day and you stand up in front of 50 people and suddenly you're like, oh, and then I had this incident. It's a, it's a very big emotional thing to do. And it's, I think what I've learned and what I'm really happy about is I've reached a point now where I know when I'm happy to talk about it and when I'm not. And actually, that's really freeing. And it's not about, when I don't do it, it's not about being unwell. It's just about being in a little bit of control and understanding myself better. And um, just why, like, yeah, I really support people who are just like, yeah, I, I love my story, but I'm, I'm going to keep it to me and my friends and my family, and that's for me to keep. And then, you've got, then you can have people like me or Liam or anyone else wanting to kind of share it and look to them as role models, but it's not, to, it's not to less anyone else's experience. It is only right for people to talk out when it, when it is right for them and whoever you decide to talk to you have to find that right person that you trust or, or if you want to speak publicly to kind of chat to someone about it first and talk through it and whereas we always say it's so important to talk about mental health um, and talk about mental health problems that it's really important to only do that when it when it works for you and I guess that actually thing as well with mental health mental health problems mental illness I know something indeed that you were writing about uh, as well on this about kind of the the difference with with kind of severe injury and mental health problems with mental health and mental illness and the kind of how that how stigma can build up with kind of misinterpretations of these terms and how they work. Yeah, I think it's as we said, you know, the, the kind of narrative around mental health at the moment is is quite broad. We're happy to talk about it, but I think sometimes it does exclude um, kind of severe and enduring mental health issues, mainly because I think people are worried about how to talk about it and what to say. I think the kind of language around mental health people are very scared to say the wrong thing. Um, so in the mail out we're kind of trying to talk a little bit about you know mental health, we all have it, we all experience it, it's on a spectrum, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not, but your, your ability to handle that um, kind of varies, whereas with mental illness you say, well, maybe it's, it's something that's been diagnosed, it's kind of been going on for a long period of time, um, and I think getting those terms, like trying to muddy the waters of the terms can be really, really difficult and people and people worry about that. They don't want to offend somebody, they don't want to say the wrong thing. And so people don't necessarily talk about it, which means people are scared to talk about how they're feeling, which means the stigma grows and then before you know it, everyone's like, oh, I don't want to say anything. Um, and so I know that people maybe don't always feel able to express um, how they feel, which is, as David said, can be really, really isolating. Um, and then that tends to shut down shut down the conversation um which is a shame and obviously again like we said the kind of general media representations around certain mental health issues like schizophrenia uh, like bipolar and um, they're not always the most uh, <laughs> inclusive um, and again like we said people's experiences are so varied um, when it comes to mental health and mental illness it, just because you've been diagnosed with a mental illness doesn't mean that you're you know you, you have bad mental health and um, things come in phases they come in waves as well so it's kind of this uh, this kind of fluid fluid thing that that can change very quickly and yeah definitely and as you sort of mentioned there with 
the media is a really interesting one, particularly with uh, a condition like schizophrenia, where the majority of stories still that you see in the newspaper, it's got schizophrenia, it's to do with a crime or it's court reporting or things like that, which is interesting. See me started our media volunteer program back in 2002 when see me started it started off because pretty much all reporting on mental health was bad regardless of any condition and the ethos of the volunteer program for the media volunteers was just to try and put some more realistic stories in there to show what it is actually like what the reality is like for people struggling with their mental health and what they're experiencing what they're going through the stigma discrimination and also to try and show that it's it is it could be any of us who go through a period where we struggle um and you can't tell what someone's like by looking at them and all the sort of old stereotypes used to perpetuate loads in the media but still for some conditions they still remain now um i think that's really important role for us to continue still trying to kind of force that dialogue and show people what it's really like so people don't just immediately link a condition to a certain set of behaviors or characteristics or things like that and we've worked a lot uh over a number of years with uh, graham morgan uh, he's a really prominent voice in the mental health community uh he currently works at the mental welfare commission uh like liam he's got a long-term diagnosis of schizophrenia and he's done so much amazing work to tackle stigma in this area um he's got a book out about his life which is definitely worth reading it's called start and if you want some snippets that's on our website see me scotland.org do you helped him with kind of serializing that at the yeah. beginning of the year didn't we and it's, it's beautiful to read he's a really really good writer and he kind of you know he doesn't always explicitly talk about his diagnosis either which i think is quite a, quite a powerful thing he kind of you know he, he writes in a way that you can relate to him um without kind of that overshadowing everything which yeah is lovely you can read more on this area at the latest edition of our mail out sea change which dean mentioned earlier you can get that on our website at seemescotland.org um, and you've got a big feature going out on that uh, and some various stories and impacts of that as well and also uh so you mentioned Liam's choir as well. We can have some information also going up on our website about that and how you can get involved. And you definitely should. As I mean, David, Liam is just so keen yeah. for everyone to get involved, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, so if anyone is in the Glasgow area, um, coming up in, we'll check out the website for the dates. But we'll be starting to do rehearsals every two weeks, uh, and we have lots of exciting kind of projects. But even if you just want to do something to kind of get you. Out of the house, meeting a few other people, no auditions, there's no pressure, it's going to be chilled and fun. And uh, I believe I've been roped into singing as well, I don't know if you guys have. <laughs> oh no, we have. He's, <laughs> he's trying to, like despite how, I just the most horrific singer, I was telling him a story, I to try and put him off when I had to do some singing at school as part of music, and there was four of us, we had to sing together. And then when it came to singing in front of the class, three of the guys froze and I sung it on my own. And then I got the worst mark of the four of us. So it actually, it would have been better if I'd have just stood there in silence and actually tried to sing. So that's pretty sad. Yeah, it's pretty sad. It's so maybe I'll come along, or maybe you could, uh, you know, just do some filming for us. I think we should start like a little documentary where we're gonna so the lead can be like, and this is where we started. And then, but in a year's time, when he's on Britain's Got Talent, yeah, <laughs> you like, could be. yeah. This is our this is our visual director. Yeah, uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah. I find myself a director's chair, not a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, thank you so much, guys, for joining me and chatting about this. And goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.